man. Hey, welcome back. Uh, this is Redefined Defiance. I'm glad you guys are with us. I'm rolling solo today. And, uh, man, I, we got a great show, though. It's been a crazy time over the last couple months. But I, um, I just decided this one is going to be a little more serious episode. I'm going to talk to some of my friends about... Um, just uh, the the violence, the racism, George Floyd, all of that that's going on out there. And uh, maybe come at it from a, a little different perspective today that we would move from a production or from protest to uh, production and maybe maybe have some good conversations. So um, I've got some friends that are going to come on. We're going to have that discussion. Um, so yeah, it's not going to be as goofy today. It's going to be a little more serious discussion, but it's good. Our first guy is, uh, name is J.R. Coleman. We're going to give him a call and, uh, we'll bring him on, um, in a second. Hold tight. So, Hey, we're here with, uh, J.R. Coleman. And uh, he is a good friend of mine. He's a pastor at the, the Word Church in uh, Fresno. What's, what's, the, what's the website to the Word? Oh, God. I knew you'd ask that. <laughs> Word. <laughs> That's a shame. The pastor doesn't have a website. Google it, right? <laughs> yeah, Google it. Yeah, come on. There you go. <laughs> Anyways. My, my sister's supposed to go. It's uh, www.theword.com. Uh, Fresno.org. There you go. There you go. So you want to check this guy out. He can preach. He's got, he's just got a lot going. And, um, yeah, I, I met Jr. a few years ago. We started golfing together and just really, really hit it off. Like we just are brothers and sarcasm. And, uh, we like to give our other pastor Brent and Bob a hard time. It's fun, right? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, JR, I appreciate you coming on the show. You've been on before, and uh, you know we got to hear your testimony and some funny stuff. But we're we're kind of in a heavy time right now, and um, as like as 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 a white pastor talking to a black pastor, um, sometimes like when things like because this has gone down a lot in the last few years, like we don't know right. what to do or to say or how to act or how to behave. Like talk, talk to some of your, your, your white brothers and sisters in the audience. Like what, what do we do during this time? What's the best thing that, that we can do to help? I would say that the number one thing is like when I get a phone call that somebody has passed away and I go to the home and the grandmother's passed away or the grandfather, somebody, I just sit with them. They don't really need to hear me speak. Just me being present is for them, amazing mm. that, that I would come and sit and just break bread with them and just listen and hear their stories. So for me, I would prefer white pastors or I even hate saying white pastors or white people. I, I hate those terms, but somebody whose shade is lighter than mine, they just need to understand you don't want to speak too soon, but you also don't want to take six months to respond. So I think you fall on your knees and ask God, how do I respond to my brothers and sisters that are hurting? How do I reach out to them and love them right where they're at? Because the worst thing somebody can say is, I know how you feel. If I lost a child and you lost a child, I don't know how you feel. You don't know how I feel. We have similar experiences, but I may not handle things well. So I go off, throw things and divorce my wife, whereas you and your wife come together and pray and, and work it out and feel married after 50 years. So everybody's different. So we can't expect everybody to respond the same exact way. Mm, that's good. You know, we have to be very careful. Listening is the best thing. Coming to the table and just talking, hashing it out. No, uh, that's, that, that's wisdom right there. Um, so like, 
I'm sure you know you're an important dude. So there's a a lot of things going on, and you're probably having a lot of conversations all over the state right now, maybe even all o- over the country. And what are what are some of the things you're hearing from um, other leaders that that have been productive in in this time? Well, I think a lot of times, uh, for the from the black side, we expect our white contemporaries to come to us, but I think sometimes we have to realize they're feeling awkward. Maybe it's me calling the Sean Beatty or Brent Deffenbacher or, you know, somebody or Dale uh, Oakwood. I have to make a reach out sometimes and say, Hey man, I know you know what's going on. Can we have coffee, man? I just want to talk, man. And we can't always expect somebody to come to us because they're feeling awkward because of the situation and the protest and everything that's going on. So I think it's a both and it's not, they need to reach out or I need to reach out. Somebody just needs to reach out and make that initial contact and then start the dialogue. And if somebody says something insensitive, first of all, I look at the heart of the person if I know them. If I don't know them, I don't I don't have the right to judge like the, the police officer. I haven't seen the video because I think it's just sickening. I, I saw maybe a minute of it. But I saw two humans, and I know some black people may feel like I'm being insensitive by saying that, but I'm trying to – I have to look through God's lens. If I don't, I'll go back to my childhood where I was a, a worthless kid, a thug. I can't look through that lens anymore. I have to look through the lens of Christ. I saw two humans, and one human was being very uh, unhumane to another human. Yes, it was a white man and a black man, but at the end of the day, as children of Christ, I don't know that man's heart. So I can't say he's a racist, but I know he looked very evil in that video. Yeah. That's all I know. Yeah, his actions were evil. We can say that. Um, The other part, I don't know, because we don't have a relationship. I don't know if he's a racist. So I'm not going to say that. I, I mean, I just don't know that. Hmm. You're the first guy I've heard say that. That's a that's an interesting interesting take. Yeah, I think we just assume it because that's the narrative, right? Yeah. Well, if I'm walking down the street with baggy pants, I'm a large black guy. I have tattoos, and my hair is braided in cornrows, and I got a blue rag hanging in my pocket. You're gonna think a gang member. But what if you meet me and you go, he's not a gang member? Well, what's the, what's up with the blue rag? Oh, that's what I blow my nose on. I do construction. Wow, isn't that amazing? I got judged, and you didn't even know me. So we got to be careful on both sides of the fence. Mm, that's good. So you have, um, I'm assuming too, like, so you're African American, um, pastor, you've got a multicultural church. You've got people from all walks of life in your church. You probably have uh, police officers in your congregation as well. Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. so how, like, what do you see being like something helpful that the police could do? And, and how do how do you, you know, how do you, even uh, minister, how do you minister to to police officers? And I'm assuming there's you've got to have some leaders in your community that are like, "What are you doing, man?" You know, like because there's a true animosity going on right now in our culture. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, for me being on the other side as a teenager, the wrong side of the law, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I thank all the police officers in Minnesota because that one officer does not represent all white police officers or all police officers in general. So we have to be very careful that we don't throw a blanket over that because as a black man, I hate when they throw a blanket over all black people. They all like rap. They all like fried chicken. They all like watermelon. They all can't swim. Those are blanket statements that are just out of ignorance. So for me to say that white officer that I saw is a representation of every white officer, that is so unfair. I saw one man make a poor decision and three other men who – I don't know why they didn't respond. I, I heard that one of them tried to respond, but he's a four-day 
police officer, and the other guy had 18 years on the force and was his, his uh, commanding officer. So he was trying to follow protocol. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm being as sensitive as possible without giving a pass to anybody because I think somebody should have done something. But then after I hear the backstory, I understand why maybe they didn't move because that's their superior and they're afraid. So I can't, I can't say what was going on in their minds. I've never been a police officer. Uh, I don't know what I would have done. I can say what I would have done, but I don't know. I, I have no clue what I would have done. But the police officers that I know, when we have dialogue, I try to be very clear. Man, I appreciate you. I thank you for what you do. Uh, I would never want your job. I know it's got to be difficult because you're not only a police officer. You're a doctor, lawyer, preacher. You're everything because you're dealing with every situation. So you go to a house with domestic violence. Now you become a, a counselor. You go to a, a gang shooting. Now you become a probation officer. I mean, you, you got to be all these things to all people. And at the end of the day, they have a tough job. I'm not giving them a pass, but it's a tough job. And it's just like a pastor. We got to be everything to everybody. We don't get to have a bad day. Like police officers don't get to have a bad day. When they do, they wind up like this guy. Dang, dude. So, hey, we're coming up on a break. And uh, we'll be right back. I got more of J.R. Coleman. This is Redefined Defiance on KGED and uh, Podcast Land. Welcome back to Redefine Finance. I'm so glad you guys are joining us. This is segment two. And uh, if you're listening on KGED, we're glad you're with us on the AM radio as well. This is segment two of our interview with J.R. Coleman from The Word. So tell me this, J.R. In the midst of all this going on, um, you're a pastor and you're having to navigate COVID. And um, the you know the church not being able to gather and and... And then this is going on. So what are you guys doing as a church to try and keep it together, keep keep the uh, the gospel going forward, and um, and, th- and then handle things that are going on in our culture at the same time? Like, wh- what's the word doing to uh, really get the word out? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. We've been really making sure that our Sunday mornings are very fruitful and not, you know not as long as the norm because we've been going probably right at around 55 minutes trying to make sure we get, get some worship in them, get the word in them. And then we do a, a, a Monday Bible study, a, uh, a Wednesday uh, group, and then a two Thursdays, and then just reaching out to people, emailing, phone calls, just staying in contact. And then those that aren't afraid to meet, me and some of the other staff, we're meeting with people, uh-huh. you know, and, and just trying to love on people and, and meet them at, right at the point of their need. 
because everybody wants to know, what do you think about this passing of COVID? Now, what do you think about the guy dying in the middle of the street? So I don't usually answer any of those questions because I want to think it through before I answer, because once you speak as a pastor, that's what everybody's going to remember. The first thing you said. Tell me about it, man. I mean, I hate saying that, but that's just the truth. Yeah. I've been called the uncle Tom, the bootlicker, because I won't always respond when something happens in the black community. I like to find out all the information, then respond because if I, if I protect a criminal, I feel, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. I feel like an idiot. I want to know, was this a good person? Was this a bad person? Were they in the middle of the road? Were they trying to come to Christ? I I just need to know, because if I'm going to defend you, I want to make sure I'm defending the right person. You know, so I waited before I even responded about this situation. And I'm telling you, with Colbert and now this, there's, I need a twin brother to work all this out, man. It's crazy. <laughs> no kidding, dude. Because you, you don't want to give the wrong answer. Any answer is sensitive right now. Yeah, everyone's nope. offended. I, I could, nope. I, dude, listen, I waited an extra day or so because I wanted to make sure I said the right thing. Same thing. And I remember I got heat for waiting so long and you don't care. And, 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 you know, but I didn't want to say the wrong thing because it's sensitive. Yeah. And I'm a white dude. I haven't yeah. experienced systemic racism. I wanted to talk to some of my, my, my black friends, my black pastors, you know, just to see where they're coming from. So I could be educated on what I say. And I got yeah. all kinds of heat, especially it's funny from young white people. I got heat. That's the funniest part. The, I think the African-Americans in my church were very gracious and yeah. it's amazing. That's the only person I got heat from so far was a young white girl that told me I'm not woke and I didn't uh, address systemic racism enough. And she's looking for a church that deals with uh, systemic racism. I said, <laughs> girlfriend, you need to deal with the gospel. Oh, thank you. Because that's what I said, that's, dude. <laughs> that's not saying that there's not a race problem. I'm not I'm yeah. not giving a pass to anybody that's a racist. I'm just saying, as a pastor, as a shepherd, as an overseer, my job is to not cause division. As it says in 1 Corinthians 1.10, I'm not called to division. I'm called to unity and harmony. Yeah. You know, that's, that's my role as a shepherd, you know, because my voice is going to go across the airwaves. And if I'm saying something against white people, I have just broke relationship with thousands of people that I love and they love me. So I got to be very strategic in my words. I had a guy tell me who I love, a young preacher. He said, I've watched you now, Pastor. Because we're so multicultural, he said, you go climb on top of the fence and just lean forward. You never jump off. You make sure that everybody understands what you're saying, but nobody's offended. And mm. I think the gospel was offensive, but Jr. can't be offensive. Dang. So that's what I try to work on is letting the gospel uh, bring that conviction, not Jr. You know, and so this COVID thing, man, it caught us off guard. And, you know, we had a couple in our, in our church, African-American. We didn't think the wife was going to make it 38 days in the hospital. She made it, praise the Lord. And so uh, the COVID has been a shock, but I think it's God helping us to push reset. Yeah. And he knew that this murder was going to happen and that if we were in church, I think it would have been worse. Mm. I mean, because I see a lot of pastors that look like me. One pastor held up a picture of Hitler and Trump. And I know I'm going to have to take my criticism for this next statement. Trump is not the issue. Okay. Democrats are not the issue. Okay. Republicans are not the issue. Yeah. The issue is we have taken the Bible 
and made it secondary instead of primary. Yeah. My blackness does not come before my Christianity. I am not a black Christian. I am a Christian that happens to be black. Right. Black is the adjective. Christian is the noun. Thank you. And we've <laughs> missed that. You know, uh, I'm, I'm heartbroken what happened to Drew Brees because of his statement. I think Drew Brees probably doesn't have a publicist that told him, hey, bro, you probably don't want to say that right now. Yeah, but that was bad it. timing. <laughs> but my point is, why are you cursing him out, all these black athletes? I think that's what we do more damage in the division, is if Sean Beatty said something that maybe he just didn't know, maybe it was an ignorant statement or a bad statement or wrong timing. Which I've done. My job as a black <laughs> pastor, i got to call you and say, Sean, we need to have coffee. But we're getting on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and whatever all those things are, and we're blasting Sean Beatty, who's not a bad person, but because we heard something and don't know the backstory, we beat you up, give you a bad name. Yeah. I think we need to learn how to call, sit in a room and say, let's hash this out, man. We ain't leaving till we hash it out. We call your wife, we call my wife and say, bring dinner, because me and Sean ain't leaving. We ain't done yet. <laughs> That's right. You know, because yeah. we want to get this right because we're in the same fraternity. We're brothers in Christ. We're not enemies. Yeah. Dude, we're you, not doing that though. You, you are. You, we're not. That, our culture is not doing it. They don't want to do it. Uh, they, they don't no. want to sit face to face and talk. They would rather just throw a bomb on social media, and they think yeah, that's I mean, healthy discussion. Oh. man, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your input. Um, I think you know the the best thing I can I can tell my audience is go listen to Jr. preach. The guy brings it. He tells it like it is, but he does it in just uh, like a, a whimsical way that like it that everyone everyone can hear it. And um, it, it's excellent. It's the word Fresno dot org. I know your website, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, uh, and hey, man, I can't wait till we can actually sit down and like break bread again and hang out and, and play golf, too. Well, we can play yeah. golf. We need to set that up. Yeah. Well, I want you to know, man, Deidre and I love you and your family. We love Clovis Hills, a wonderful church, great pastor and his, and his first lady and their whole staff. They are wonderful people. You don't have a church home. You need to check out Clovis Hills. I love Sean Beatty. He is my brother in Christ and my fraternity brother. And, man, we want the best for you and your church. And I pray that more pastors that look like you and me will start coming to the table and breaking these these boundaries and tearing down these walls so that we could show the world what it really looks like in Christianity. Hey, man, I appreciate you. I love you, brother. And um, I'll see you on the golf course soon then. All right, brother. And you get no stroke. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll see you later, man. All right. Thanks, brother. Bye-bye. Hey, that was uh, J.R. Coleman, friend of the show. I encourage you, uh, check him out at the word Fresno. J.R. has an incredible story. Uh, guy was a professional baseball player in the MLB for 10 years. Um, just is an amazing presence in the community he lives in. And um, you, meet, you don't meet J.R. Coleman, you experience the man. He's an incredible guy. So I'm so grateful for that. Uh, hey, keep tuned. Uh, our studio is back up and running, and we're ready to um, get Redefine Defiance back on it. We got a um, just a new format. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sometimes it's going to be serious like this one and short, and sometimes it's going to be, uh, you know, a longer one and a little more funny. But, hey, we're uh, glad you joined us. 
If you're listening uh, on the radio, we probably got a couple more segments for you coming up. But uh, hey, God bless. That's what you are.